What's up, everybody? Welcome to the channel. Welcome to the podcast. I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time. I didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And I want to do something on this podcast, and I'll show you a little bit later, that I've never done on any of my channels. And uh, in a way, it's a, it's a bit risky. Some of you might get offended. My hope is that all of you stay uh, for the whole thing and that all of you are uh, receptive to what I'm going to talk about. So bear with me. I know that's that's quite the intro. I have with me uh, today a good friend, a, a such a genuine guy. This is the senior pastor to Celebration Church, which has several campuses in the Austin, Texas, Metroplex, and there's one in Italy and one in Africa. He's online, and uh, he's changed lives all across the world. I'm lucky to have him today. His name is Joe Champion. We met, uh, terrible, <laughs> terrible way that we met, um, at my son's funeral. That's the first time I met Joe, and uh, the first time I I saw his heart. Since then, we have become friends, and you could see me on Sunday mornings on the front row of his congregation. I respect him, uh, his knowledge as a pastor. I respect um, his wisdom, and you can't punch holes in this guy. Let's get the, the guy is solid, and I think he's the perfect candidate to come sit here with me on this podcast and go through some life questions. And and the guy has quite the resume. I mean, he grew up son of a football coach. He is one of three brothers, just like me. His other two brothers go off into the military. One is a, a, a former general, and one is a former fighter pilot. And he is the uh, the black sheep of the family, if that term is appropriate when you become a pastor. But he has such an energy to him, such a, uh, a the uh, an ability to lead that you could you could see with all three brothers as he grew up, and with, with a dad as a football coach, you could see how he uh, fit right into that category, but used his calling in a very different way. This podcast, I'm grateful that is it is partially sponsored by ShipStation, and the holiday season is here. Holiday shoppers are buying more stuff online than ever before. This is a crazy year for online shopping, so if you're just getting into this business, you're going to need to hear what I have to say, because when we are choosing our our way of shipping, we, we put it all into one simple interface at ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship your orders in just a few clicks. You're managing orders, printing out discounted shipping labels, and getting your products out fast. The result is going to be happier holidays for you and your customers. We use it right here at Yee Yee Apparel, and we've been using it for a couple years now. And for even guys that aren't very smart with technology like me, it actually works out. You could use it right there on your phone, no matter if you're using Shopify, Amazon, eBay, or your own website like we do at yee.com. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface and super easy to manage. It works with all the major carriers like USPS, FedEx, UPS, and International. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution and the best rates 
right there on the interface. Um, they offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now you can offer uh, discounted postage and that's usually reserved for like the big Fortune 500 companies. Now, you could do it as a small business like we are. It's a no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So right now, Granger Smith Podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code Granger. Make sure your business can meet the demands of this massive online shopping season. Get started at ShipStation.com today. You click the microphone at the top of their homepage, Granger, and that's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code, Granger. So microphone, top page, type in Granger, ShipStation.com, make ship happen. And I've led you into this um, this curiosity of what we're going to talk about, and, and I've led you into me saying, this is going to be something I've never done, and it might offend some of you. Hopefully, you're curious. I want you to be curious. That's what I said it, and that's why I'm trying to clickbait you into listening, because I want you to go all the way to the end to hear what I have in store. Uh, without further ado, welcome to the podcast. Yee yee. cruising down I-35, 70 miles an hour, going south, heading from Georgetown, Texas, cruising almost to Round Rock, right before the outlet mall. You look over on your left, and there's a big hill, and there's a beautiful cross, a big white building. And I know a lot of you guys have seen this in Central Texas. I'm sitting next to the gentleman that is responsible for it, and then he will probably say that he is not responsible for it at all. Pastor Joe Champion, um, I've been looking forward to this day. I didn't know if I would ever actually get you booked on this podcast, but I'm so excited to have you and to 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 tell a little bit of your story and to dig in a little bit to to people's questions. I've had so many questions come in to this podcast to people all over the world. Um, asking life, love, God questions. And it's going to be nice to sit next to um, a brain as good as yours and, and a heart as full as yours to help me with some of this stuff. And I want to start with your story on the church that I just explained on I-35. Um, it's an amazing story. I got my brother Tyler sitting in here. He hasn't heard it. Have you heard this, Parker? The story? Okay, great. At least we have a two-person audience, at least. There you go. Um, tell us a little bit about where this church came from. Yeah. Well, my dad was an NFL 
football coach and not raised in church and had zero clue about God and church and even the even the idea of being a pastor in our family would be the biggest waste of a God-given talent. <laughs> in fact, yeah. my family has said, you're going to waste your God-given talent on God. Like, <laughs> right? like, you're going to do what? And that was when I came to Christ at LSU. And But it was in 2000, after leaving LSU, moved to New Orleans uh, to go to seminary, thinking I was going to be a chaplain in the military, and then realized quickly that the chaplaincy was going to be a pretty narrow platform. And then my wife and I, we get married, and we pastor in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and then in the home of Swamp People, Pierre Part, Louisiana, for okay. five years. And then uh, from there to Baton Rouge. And then in 2000, while we were there in Baton Rouge, I was traveling full-time. But I began to sense for uh, for about almost two years from 98 to 2000, one day I would go to a city and we would start a church and spend the rest of our life there. And But I told God, I don't want to pick the city because I don't want to get there. And when, not if, things get hard, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to have the Lord say, well, you picked it. Like, in other words, you, sure. that was your choice, not mine. But so I said, Lord, I want to I want to go where you tell me to go, and I'll spend the rest of my life there. And give me a put me in a city where it's wired for me and my story, because we come from a a wild, non spiritual family, and then now looking back twenty years later, here's Austin in a very non spiritual world of Austin. It's very liberal, very different, very anti church. It's one of the most unchurched cities in America. Really, they call it. It's kind of the Seattle version. Uh, and about seven to ten percent attend church, and I've always enjoyed talking to people who have no church background, no God background, no Christ, no Bible, no nothing, and because that's where I came from. So, in two thousand, the phrase "It is Austin" just on a Sunday morning just came alive. Never been to Austin, never been, never even thought about being here. Didn't know anybody from here. And you're in Louisiana. In Louisiana, wow. living the dream, man. Wow, <laughs> eating wonderful food and. Of course, having gone to LSU, played football there, uh, you know, that was, that's our Mecca, you know, living in Baton Rouge yeah. and all that. But move here with my wife and our three little boys at that time. And we start about a month later, just on a Sunday morning, we opened up the church in the Round Rock Library, downtown Round Rock. We had 54 people come that first Sunday. And, um, about 45 of those people were from Louisiana that came over to be with me that Sunday morning to encourage us and help us set up the chairs for the okay. for the eight people that were not uh, from New Orleans or from the Louisiana area. And the next week, I think we had about 10 people, you know, and it got down on a Sunday morning or a Sunday, a Wednesday night, I think we had as low as, I don't know, four or five people. So you started at 50-something. and then Yeah, we had 54 people, but frankly, only about 10 of those okay. were from Texas. And then we just started every week in week from a, from a Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday in the Round Rock Library, and it grew to about 80 people. And then we went to the Wingate Hotel, and then it grew to about 150. And then we got a little piece of, well, actually, an industrial plex. We rented 6,000 square feet. And in that 6,000 square feet of an industrial plex building, it went from about 200 to about 2,000 people. Mm where we were just adding services. People just started showing up out of nowhere. We had no website. I mean, it was it was everything you would not tell. You, you would just say, this is how you 
don't do a church. But God was sending people. And it was just crazy. And then, uh, yeah, we've been doing that for 20 years now. And then... Uh, and then this piece of property. Yeah, let's hear. It. Let's talk about the property. Yeah. So I just said on a Sunday morning, let's let's just believe to the church. I said, let's believe God for a hundred acres on I thirty five. And this couple came up and said, um, Pastor Joe, we're with you. We when we heard you say a hundred acres on I thirty five, we believe with you. And I said, that's awesome. And even my wife said, why did you say that? That's the stupidest. You said thing. that on the Sunday. I said on okay. a Sunday morning. She said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We don't need 100 acres on I-35. I said, I don't know why I said it, but I believe it, and I think we're going to get it. Well, anyway, this couple comes up, and they said, we're, gonna, we're just going to pray with you about this. I said, great, thank you, because my wife is not praying with me about this. <laughs> and so they came back a couple of weeks later and said, Pastor Joe, we saw in a vision a church on this hill at the corner of I-35 and Westinghouse Road. And I said, you did? Like in a vision... Like, that's kind of weird, and, and uh, pizza and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so they, I mean, they wouldn't let me go. They would not let me drop it. And they said, Pastor Joe, we're going to be on this hill. We're going to be on this hill. And I said, that's great. God bless you. Well, then one day they said, we're going to go knock on the door of this home and ask people who owns this property. And this guy said, who told you? And uh, they said, what are you talking about? Who told us? Nothing. We, nobody's told us anything. We're just from Celebration Church. And we just feel like this would be a great piece of property for a church. And uh, our pastor's believing for 100 acres on I-35. And he goes, how do you know? Is this an old farmhouse? Yep, it's an old there. farmhouse built okay. in the 1880s. And he goes, how do you know? And the story is this. He said, well, come on in. He said, uh, here's the deal. He said, uh, 36 hours ago, this, in this home, we had a prayer meeting with our family about what to do with this property because our father bought the property 165 acres in 1942 and Mr. Barton he said that was his father-in-law dedicated the property to God he died 14 years ago and he said do not sell this property and don't sell the bulk of the property so the 110 acres he said the 110 acres is going to be for God and one day there will be a church that will reach the world on this property do not sell it. Don't make money for it. It's it's all for God. He died 14 years ago. We have never talked about what to do with this property until 36 hours ago. We got together and said, God, show us what to do with this property. What church is the church? Who are we supposed to sell this property to? Because it's going to be a blessing to them. And now you're telling me that God's to this couple. David said, you're telling me that the Lord spoke to you, that there will be a church on this hill. My wife is at school this is her property in conjunction with her brother. They're the owners of it. They'll be home. She'll be home from school in a couple hours. And uh, I get a phone call a couple hours later. This was a Thursday, and it was the, the sister who inherited the property with her brother. And she said, we'd like to meet with you tomorrow. So Friday I met with the sister and the brother, told them our story, moved from Austin. We now have 1,500, 2,000 people in our church. We're believing God for 100 acres on I-35, and... When I told them the story, they said, we believe you're the church that our father saw in 1942 that one day would be on this hill. And they sold us the property for 2.2 million, uh, 110 acres. And and now on that hill, there are thousands of people that come. Tim Tebow a couple years ago, that was kind of a big deal when Tim came to our church. And And for those people not that don't know this area, you say 2 million 
for the, on I thirty five. Yeah, this is going for what per um, acre? Yeah, almost a million on the service road. Seven hundred ninety thousand an acre now on I thirty five service road. So this is a hundred and fifty yeah. million dollar yes, property that you right. got for two. two for just two in case anyone yeah. missed that. Yeah. <laughs> but the amazing thing is that nobody knew anything, God, and how literally out of my mouth came this hundred acres. This family believed it with me even though they had more faith than I did, and then knocked on the door of this farmhouse, and this guy said, how do you know? Because we told our family, don't say anything to anybody. It just tells you the power of a couple things. Number one, that God is more in control than we realize. Mm -hmm. And then number two, the power of partnership. And how, had it not been for Mr. Barton, I'm really just stepping into Mr. Barton's dream. Like, yeah, we came to Austin with a dream to build a, a church that would reach a lot of people and help people. But Mr. Barton saw that in 1942, way before I was born. And if we're faithful to just be where God wants us to be, get where we're supposed to be, he's already got the people and the provision prepared for us. If we just are faithful. And I'm just, a, you know, you said, I'm not responsible for anything that's happening at Celebration Church. I'm just the the vessel, like Joseph and Mary, you know, here we are coming up on Christmas time, and they're just this couple that God said, "Hey, I want to send my son to the world. Can I have your Can I have your life? You know, Mary, can I have your womb?" And they're like, "Okay." I think they were LSU grads. <laughs> so, so do you consider yourself a mega church, and what does that term even mean? Only, only mega in the form. In the definition of what they have ascribed the definition of a mega church to, which is anything above 2,000 people or 2,500 okay. in regular attendance. On that definition, yeah, I guess you got to say we are just because of the numbers, but no in the sense of what it denotes or what is it's often— It's usually a negative connotation. It's a right. 100% yeah. negative connotation yeah. that you're a mega, which means— you're that church that nobody really gets to know anybody, and there's not real relationship, mm-hmm. and or accountability or connection. You're you're the you're the Home Depot versus an Ace Hardware, right? Because at least when I go to an Ace Hardware, if I need one screw, if I need one washer, that dude is going to walk me to the aisle or walk me to that bin and give me that washer. Yeah. If I go to a Home Depot, we can't even get help to buy a washing machine, right? Much less a washer. Right. So we have this thought of a mega church being that Home Depot mega store. I we we did the baptism with Amber in London in celebration, and then we released that video uh, on our family vlog, The Smiths. And I, the reason I even said that is because I saw a comment that said, "I didn't know you're a member of a mega church. I had no idea. Basically, I didn't think you would stoop that low to join a mega church, yeah. Mister Granger Smith." And it's funny because you actually brought it up that same Sunday hmm. in your sermon, and you talked about, why would we not want to grow a congregation? Yeah. yeah. Do, you want, do you want to have a seat available next to you every Sunday, or do you want to fight for that seat? Yeah. Because so many people want to come and hear the message that day. It's interesting that you brought that up. I say to people, because for us, it's been the hardest part about our church is the growth of our church because there was the day when I knew every name and every phone number and made every event. 
I mean, I would go to kids' ball games and I would event, I'd make every kind of anniversary or birthday. And frankly, as you have more people showing up, things change. But the reason why we grew was we've always attacked dysfunction. We've always tried to make sure that in our church, we don't do drama. We're, we're not a soap opera. I think a lot of churches don't grow because most, or a lot of churches are more of drama-filled. They're more, it's more of a soap opera, a lot of dysfunction, and therefore it stops growing. It'd be like your world. You don't have any problem doing an event with 100 people or 500 people or 1,000 people, but you've also done events with tens of thousands of people. Yeah. It's not to say one's better than the other. They're yeah. different. Yeah. But there's a reason why some people have a bigger platform or a bigger stadium or a bigger congregation or a bigger concert than those that maybe are still doing coffee shops with yep. 15 people. It doesn't mean they're bad. Yeah. It just means more people want to hear the, the song or the message. You're right. And I think for some mega churches, let's face it, yeah, you could probably say there are some uh, ways and techniques that you could maybe insert the word compromise to mm-hmm. get a bigger crowd. Mm-hmm. No question about that. Jesus said that there will be those types of ministries. He said that. And then there's others that you you can say what you want, but gosh, they're really speaking and doing good. Yeah. And they're not compromising and there's just more people showing up and what do you I've always said, what do I tell people? Do I say what dysfunctional thing do we start doing so you won't come anymore? Right. I, we don't do politics. We're not a politically charged church in the sense of uh in other words, we we don't do these committees or we're not run like a a board often a, a board run church where you have these various angles and agendas and whose families who we don't do we just don't have that we're just kind of like yee yee <laughs> right i'm looking at two brothers with you and man y'all are just you're structured for growth you're structured to move you're structured to go and uh, there's people listening right now going man i just i like a small church yeah this guy, you know, this guy's good looking and tall and charismatic and ex football player. And, and how do you fight that stigma? How do you get past? Because, because as, as long as I've known you, it hasn't been too long, it's been right. a couple of years. Yeah. I can't poke holes on anything that you do. Right. Well, I can't. And, and, and I, I'm just, I'm impressed with you daily with the things that you say, but you do. You are a, a charismatic alpha with you, you come across as the person that you don't want to trust there are people, from the outside. Exactly. I get that a lot. I I hear that like there's no way that guy up there on right. that platform. In fact, a couple of weeks ago I met actually uh, uh he was a friend of mine that I had started playing golf with. We had had three or four rounds together. And we were really like, wow, I like this guy, and he likes me. We were playing golf, and then we went to lunch after, and there's a room of about 20 guys in the room. And I walked back in after washing my hands playing golf, and he goes, you're that mf or preacher. <laughs> and I went, what are you talking about? He goes, you're that mf or preacher. I said, well, stop, time out. You and I have been playing golf now. We've had four or five rounds. This has never come up. How am I all of a sudden an MF or a preacher? Maybe I shouldn't say that on this podcast. That's all right. But he goes, I did not know, Joe, that when we were playing golf, that was the, 
you were the guy that I went to church with a couple of weeks ago, and I walked into the sea of humanity and all these people, and I was watching this guy up on the platform, and he goes, all I could see was this was a mega church. And he goes, I liked what was being said, but I just had my mind made up that this guy couldn't be real. <laughs> and now here we are playing golf, and I didn't realize that was you. Yeah. And I went, so what are you, what are you saying? He goes, I can't believe that's the same guy. Yeah, a normal guy. He goes, I didn't like the church size. Uh-huh. I wasn't used to that. But then, yet, yeah, I've grown to really like you. Yeah. And he goes, I'm conflicted. Yeah. Because we do label people. Sure. And we, and so with that, you know what? I just, you, you, they did that to Jesus. They did that as he became famous. You know, they, they were always saying, well, you're the carpenter's son. Mm-hmm. How can you be all of a sudden now the son of God? And how, we've known you since you were born. And who do you think you are? And frankly, that was, it was a lot of it was jealousy that put them on that cross. Sure. It was the motivation of jealousy. You just have to keep going. And I always say, you know, having played, and I know you're an A&M guy, I'm an LSU guy, we're an SEC guy. I kind of like that the Southeastern Conference has been kind of the, they've been pretty good. You yeah. Know? And people hate it. And they hate it. And they don't like the idea that the SEC has won a lot of championships. And yeah. I don't have, I, it's just part of, I think, in any world that, in any man or any woman or any organization that gets some level of success and some momentum, you're always going to have the haters that are just going to sure. come out. I mean, right now, mm-hmm. even in your own world, I'm sure you've watched, there's a meteoric rise with you, and there's going to be, you know, it's just, I'm sure you've already heard it. Well, remember back in the day. Sure. Granger, now you're the big boy, and, and I don't know. It's and just, with the new people we meet, we hear all the time people say, "Man, I just, I just didn't know you'd be like a normal guy." Right? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean you didn't think I'd be a normal guy? I just thought you'd be, yeah. you know. Yeah, being fake takes more energy than being real. Yeah, for it's sure. It's hard for to sure. be fake. It's hard to to put on that appearance and to put on that label and to just not be real being real is a lot easier than being i agree being fake (laughs) i can't do fake because i'm from louisiana (laughs) we have nothing to be proud about (laughs) except your food our food and most of the shows on you know most of the reality shows yeah are louisiana Motivated. They're Louisiana-based because we're weird. We're just... We're Shout out to Louisiana f- listeners. On. My people. I'm from Duck there. Dynasty. Uh, now that we know you're real, let's answer some of their questions. You want to do that? Yeah, I'd love to. We'll take a quick break and do that. As we take this break, I got to tell you that no matter where you're listening, thank you for listening. I know there's a lot of different apps to listen to this podcast, whether it's YouTube or Spotify or Apple or whatever podcast app you're using. Thank you for being here. It is free to you to watch this, but it's not free for me to put it on. Put it on. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have uh, some sponsors for this podcast. And I should tell Pastor Joe about this because I know he's a golfer and what I'm saying kind of relates to golfers, but this is, this section is brought to you by features and Believe it or not, the holidays are here. And that's crazy to to think about after this crazy year. It's been a strange few months. So why not give your friends and family the gift that puts a jingle back in their step? 
For 20 years, Features has been solely focused on delivering an unsurpassing performance sock. Yes, this is about socks, and you guys might have heard me talk about it before. A great pair of socks can be the perfect holiday gift for anyone on your list. And with Features, every pair feels like a custom fit. I'm wearing them right now. It doesn't feel like socks. It's like, it's like I've said before, it's like wearing a high-performance tennis shoe under your boot. You know, like I'm wearing boots right now with features and it's like, it conforms around, it fits perfectly. It knows where your heel is. I don't know how they know that, but it fits around your heel perfectly. And I use it for working out. I use it for if I'm jogging or exercising outside. I'm not much of a golfer, but if I did play golf, I would definitely wear these socks. Um, I'm more of a casual boot wearer and we put a lot of miles on these boots I'm wearing. Features are great for me then. Uh, runners around the world have loved features for years, uh, but they're not just for runners. They're elite golf socks, meticulously engineered to keep your feet cool, dry, and comfortable drive after drive. They had an anatomical design that, that conforms to the left and right foot for a molded fit that prevents blisters. Features has a ton of styles to choose from, from no-show to knee-highs to ultra-light-knit maximum cushion with designs tailored for everyday wear, athletic performance, and extra support. Lifetime guarantee, which is massive if you're unsatisfied at any point. You get a replacement pair, no questions asked. You can get $10 off your first pair of Features just in time for the holidays. Just use the promo code Granger at Features.com for $10 off your first pair that's features that's f-e-e-t-u-r-e-s dot com promo code granger it's pretty awesome socks um i will say we also have as you've heard me talk about before raycon on this podcast i'm a huge um i'm a huge listener to podcast and music myself which is a big reason why i make music and i make podcast because I'm also a fan myself. And to listen to a podcast without interruption or to listen to music without bleed from the outside is a big deal to me. That's where Raycon comes in. They are custom molded earbuds that control your environment so you're not distracted by all kinds of other noises around you in the room and with seamless bluetooth pairing and comfortable noise isolating fit you can start listening right out of the box and keep on listening for hours the audio quality is amazing compared to what you're going to get from other premium brands except raycon starts at half the price literally so you're not going to spend a whole lot of money but you're going to get a quality of the top brands best of all there's something that they could use for music or work or play so this is the perfect gift idea it's the gift that keeps on giving if they already have a pair of wireless earbuds everybody needs a spare right you're going to lose them you're going to break them so you got to have a pair of Raycons, even if they've got the, uh, some top-of-the-line brand, get them a pair of Raycons. They're going to probably end up using that as the replacement pair and then end up making those their number ones. Raycons being generous for the holidays, so the top of the everyday great prices, on top of everyday great prices, they're offering my listeners of this podcast 15% off right now. Go to buyraycon.com slash Granger today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Granger buyraycon.com slash Granger. Uh, and I'm lucky to have uh, features and ShipStation and Raycon to uh, help offset production costs for you in this podcast.
Back to Pastor Joe. So I divided, as, as some of these were coming in, I made a folder called God Questions. And I don't ever dig too deep in the question when I read it as it comes in as an email. Because um, I want to be a little bit surprised by it when I read it on the podcast. But I do want to read the first one because the title, the subject is God and Our Existence and Pain. Mm. It says, hey, Granger, it's Jenny in England. I love you and your family so much. Um, there's something I'm battling with, and I would love your help. I know you're a man of God, and I want to know... Uh, about your relationship with him. I lost my mom at a young age, but before she passed, she was cheated on by my dad. And it was all around very bad. And all I remember is her praying for God and Jesus. And most importantly, she was praying for death. She was very ill with multiple sclerosis and my dad was cheating on her. And all she wanted was release from the illness and a bad marriage. She couldn't get that through her prayer for many years, even though I prayed for her as well. It has now been 10 years since she passed, and I'm unable to forgive my dad for all he put her through. I'm 35 with my own life and family, but I can also not forgive God and Jesus for all that my mom had to go through before she passed. I'm wondering, how is it possible for me to have faith and believe in God after all that I have seen? I really want to believe, but at this moment, I'm finding it impossible I know you've experienced a significant loss in your life, and I just want to know how do you go? How do you go on? How do you move forward and ignore all the bad things, Jenny? Yeah, and of course, it breaks your heart to hear that and to know that kind of pain is in the world. Yes, and it's all over the world. And we know and, and, it is. And Jenny's is very specific because it's her pain, but then it's also a common problem. Yes. Around the world, it's it's all over the world, and uh, but it's still her pain, and it's personal. It's what Jesus said about this world. In this world, you will have pain. Mm-hmm. No one was more dogmatic or even uh, more open about the pain in this world. The pro- this world is a it's not a riddle. Let me say to Jenny. The world is not a riddle. It's a war. Mm. And Jesus, as God in flesh when he came and died on the cross for our sins to redeem us and was raised from the dead, did not, and nor is he the jester, like he's sitting up in some booth or with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they are throwing riddles at people and jesting with people and messing around with people, and, oh, try this, and let me show you. You think you know what pain is? Experience this problem or have this affair. And right. It doesn't work like that. We're in, a, we're in a fallen world. It is filled with pain. It is filled with tragedy. This is why we need a Savior. This is why Christ suffered. This is what he came to give us was the hope of good news. I say it like this. Before there is the hope of good news or even the preaching of good news there had to there somebody has to make the news to preach christ first made the gospel before there was a gospel mm-hmm. there there is no gospel except first christ made the gospel which is i have overcome the world mm-hmm. well what world is he talking about overcoming pain death he keeps he keeps quoting john 16:33 in case you're wondering biblically 
This is very exact. You. you know more scripture than I do. Yeah, right. And yeah, right. Uh, that thought is that it is paramount in why Christ came. Someone, uh, in fact, a guy that uh, the great Scottish theologian was asked about pain, and this was written in 1918 during World War One, where millions of people it changed the world uh, that war, and and most people died by disease, you know, and infection and dysentery and all that. And they said, this war is unsettling the faith of people in God, in a father who is God and a kingdom. It is taking the faith of people away. And he goes, nay. He says, it's actually the opposite. I would be more disquieted in my soul if there wasn't a catastrophe based on the Europe that we are in the form of walking away from God. Mm. He said, because of our choices, because of the world's choices, that is why we have catastrophic events. That's why we're having tragedy. That's why we have sickness and disease. This wasn't made, this world was not made to have this, but because of sin, it entered into the world, sickness entered into the world, death entered into the world, infidelity and adultery and everything with it. So he says it's actually the sign. He goes, I would be more upset if this world was perfect without God. Mm. Then there would be no need for a Savior. There would be no God. Yeah. So the actually he says this is just the sign that we need a Savior. This to me is actually encouraging that there is pain. Yeah. And it never gets better. Mm. Decades go by, centuries go by, and suffering doesn't decrease. We don't find a way to overcome no. it any better than we ever did no. thousands of years ago. No, even with our technology. If, this is my thought about evolution, and of course there's a lot of debate about it. But I don't understand if evolution was true. Why are we not evolving into a better species? Yeah. Why are we not kinder? Why are we not gentler? Why are we not more unified? Why is there racism? Why is there more racism? Yeah. Why are there why are there more bombs? Why is there more uh, bloodshed? Because man has a unique way of taking even technology and turning it into something worse. Like yeah. that's just a sign that wherever sin is, and sin's in the world, and it's in our heart, and that's what Christ came to do to take it out to forgive us of it. A little sin leavens the whole lump. It just, it's just, and so to say to Jenny, man, it is, it is uh, heartbreaking. But the good news is that this will not last forever because we have been, there's three things that Jesus came to do on the cross for us. And I put it in a rhyming way. He came to claim, he came to reframe, and he came to rename. Reclaim reframe and rename us. So he, he claims us. We're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not without a father. Number two, he comes to reframe us. He changes our constitution. He makes us new. Behold, all things become new in his name. But then he names us like, you are my child. You're, you're my daughter. You're my, you're my family. And we all want a place called home. And that's what Christ offers us. He is our home. And that home has been secure. And he goes, guys, I'm telling you, this is real. I would tell you if it wasn't. And he goes, in my father's house are many mansions, are many rooms. Be not troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. When he said that, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe everything I've been telling you. 
This is real. And then, of course, he proved it by being raised from the dead. So pain, I would love for us to say we have enough faith to pain our or to, to faith our pain away. Right. Never, 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 right. never. It's a misconception to yeah. think, if I pray hard enough that in my lifetime, all this will just go away, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of what Jenny's saying. Yeah. With she's, she's mad that her mother prayed. She watched her mother pray yeah. so hard yeah. for, for the peace in her lifetime. And, and she witnessed that her mother never got it. Yeah. In her time on earth, yeah, and uh, and of course it comes back to us personally. We've got to we've got to own what is the door or the key, and that is forgiveness. Because when it does come down to it, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to forgive. She's gonna she's gonna have to forgive her father. She's gonna have to forgive God. She's gonna have to to forgive those that have hurt her, like we all do. Every day we all could be offended. Every day we could all be hurt, and we are. Every day I have a reason to say to Lori, my wife, after 30 years, you don't love me like you should, or, you know, uh, I want more or this or that. I have to make a decision. You know what? As Jesus said, unforgiveness puts me in prison. Yeah. It doesn't imprison them. Yeah. And I have to just continue to trust in what he said. And and, uh, as bad as it is, the day my dad died was the day that I gave my life to Christ through death became my doorway to the reality that God is real. It should have been the worst day of my life. It actually became the best day of my life because I believed in what Jesus said in his word. It's, it's amazing how that happens. And Jenny, um, you're, you say here, it's been 10 year, years since she passed and I'm unable to forgive my dad. Uh, I'm 35 with my own life and family. So right there, I'll stop you right there and say, look at the blessings that you've had now 35 with your own life and family. And it, it, I don't want you to skip over that to, to glaze over the fact that here you are and you're thinking back to a, another time when you're missing the moment that you're in, that, that could be the very blessing that God has given you today, right now in this moment. Very good. It's tough. The, the forgiving God question comes up a lot. Yeah. A, a lot, and and yeah. I think this first step is gratefulness in the today, right yeah. now, in this moment. That's right. And taking this moment, taking this day, and choose ye this day. Do you believe that that God is good, or do you, do you believe that? First of all, do you believe in believing God, and number two, do you believe He's or if He's bad? And uh, it really does come down to a trust. You know, Christianity is not the work of sacrifice. It's trusting in the one who sacrificed for us. Hmm. A lot of people think, okay, when you're a Christian, you just have, it's just a sacrificial life. You got, I got to sacrifice this, I got to sacrifice. No, it's putting your trust in the one who did the sacrificing for us. It's, it's not getting or attempting to get victorious. It's you have the victory. The victory's been purchased. It's done. It's finished. Christ said on the cross, it's done for you. I've forgiven you. I've forgiven the world. And he came for this reason to offer this good news. It's done. It's finished. It's yours. And it's frankly just a, it's a a whisper. It's a thought away. You know, we can call it prayer, but prayer can be a whisper. It can be a thought. It can be a, a gesture. And uh, he 
is good, despite, boy, everything that we would attempt to say he's not in the midst of death, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of a crazy world gone wild. You know, before there was girls gone wild, there was a world gone wild. <laughs> now, I've never seen that show, but I live it. <laughs> yeah, world gone wild. J.D., we're, we're, uh, we're thinking about you today, and um, thank you so much for writing in, and I, I hope that you could be grateful today, right now, in this moment, with your, with your family and your life. Um, so sorry. We're all going to have suffering. It doesn't make it any easier to say that. But that's just the reality. Let's go to let's go to another one here, Pastor Joe. Here's one with the subject Living and Working in Faith. It says, Hey, my name is Scott. I live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Shout out to Green Bay. It's difficult to live and work in faith, especially in my career field. I currently work as a correctional officer in the intake or booking section of a large county jail, which means I'm one of the first faces they see when they're arrested. We have our share of frequent flyers, so it's no surprise for them or us when they show up. We do have the individuals who have never been to jail or have charges that are shocking in nature. The latter is the most difficult ones to process, simply because their charges make them less desirable humans and very hard to deal with. It's difficult to treat the individuals the same as someone else. Uh, You can't have your feelings affect your interactions. The level is high for alcoholism and divorce in this career field because um, many have very poor coping mechanisms. And when you need to rely on your faith to get you through the day, it's very hard in this career to keep the mindset uh, when it comes to people and changes who you see like this in person. So when it gets dangerous and when... When you change but don't realize the change, I feel like being a musician, you could express your faith through song. But with my career, you could express your faith through how you talk and interact with an individual and reserving your judgment for their wrongdoings, no matter how difficult it may be. How could I be better at this, Hmm. Scott? Yeah. I would, first of all, shout out, as you said, the Green Bay. My dad coached for the Packers. Part of your problem is you live in a really cold it's very cold. There. It's cold. It's just it's hard for anybody's faith <laughs> in the tundra. But when you're dealing with people like he is, and we do every week uh, prison ministry. We're in nine locations, nine prisons, some federal, some county here in Texas, where we bring our church to a whole team of people, set up church, and um, it's it's something that I say every week especially for those that are watching within one of the nine correctional facilities. As God didn't give up on us, He doesn't give up on you. And that sometimes those that are inside a prison are more free than those outside a prison. It's just a different bar. It's a different wall. And I say that on purpose every week, as you've heard me say it, because I want those that are sitting in that seat to never become so skeptical of people, which the longer you live in life, the longer you're in parole or officer work or especially jail work, prison reform or prison work. I get it. We work. I'm the. I've been the chaplain of various police departments, Austin and Georgetown, and 
when you're dealing with police officers like he is and, and, and dealing with criminals every week and the same ones over and over, it's very, it's very likely that you're going to get jaded, you're going to get hard. Hmm. And I see it in ministry. I deal with people who week in, week out, promise this, promise that, and, and go back to their old life and come back and then go back. And Jesus made a statement. He says, be harmless as a dove, wise as serpents and, and harmless as a dove. And I've always hmm. taken that to mean when you're dealing with people, you, you, you do have to have your eyes wide open. Back in the early day when I was first a Christian or even especially as a pastor, man, I believed every story. <laughs> I believed everybody. I would go to any situation or any length to help that person. The Granger Smith podcast. Yeah, just I, show I mean, up. I would show up and go, God, of course, I'll be out there in a heartbeat. And then I get out here and it's all, this is yo-yo. This ain't yee-yee. This is no-no. And uh, I would, I had to learn through trials and uh, and through being taken advantage of. Joe, you don't, faith doesn't say, your faith in Christ uh faith does not close your eyes and just you know do this or go here faith is very wise and and i think the more faith you have the more wise you become and yeah you can spot people a mile away especially if if you're in police work you better you better know um those that you're walking with and and you're going to see those same criminals and so there is this wisdom that you you've got to be able to be business. I mean, he is, he's hired to do the business of police work or prison work. But then that's harmless as a dove. In other words, what he's saying is stay sweet, stay kind, because I was sweet to you. Everything Jesus always came back to say was, I forgave you, you're going to have to forgive them. You were a cheater, and therefore I forgave you of your cheating, therefore forgive those that have cheated or those that will cheat you. Every time Jesus came back and he said, listen, what did I do for you? How could you how could you have a higher standard of other people than you do of yourself? So that balance of, of, of being wise, being smart, being sharp, being good at what you do, being business. As a pastor, I, I have to deal with people sometimes. I say, I would love to tell you uh, my own my own inclination or my own desire would be to say this, but I can't say that because that's not what the truth is. Right. The truth doesn't say that. Uh, I'd love to be able to say, hey, you can go and have this and do that and you're all good. Everybody's, just be happy. And there'll be no consequences. I can't, I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of pain with that. So I have to come back and bring this, the business side. Jesus was full of grace and he was also full of truth. And that's that hard walk. How, how do you stay gracious to people but true? And that was the beauty of Jesus when they said, John, what was Jesus like? He goes, man, it was amazing. This guy was the nicest, kindest, loving, forgiving person you would ever want to meet. But he was true. <laughs> like, mm. he'd knock your head off if you did wrong. And I say that proverbially. He, he would correct you. He would pierce you. He, he didn't let you get by with anything. Hmm. And isn't that as a parent? Our, right. That's We're trying to walk that same line. Like, I want my kids to love me. We have three boys. They're 28, 24, and 20. And we have a great relationship as now they're men. 
Uh, and I, I try to be gracious and kind and loving like a father's supposed to be. But at the same time, I'm not going to let them get away with, like the other day, Jackson, I was watching my youngest son. He's home for Christmas break. And he's just Shout wasting. out to Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. He loves all things <laughs> yee yee and you and the family here. And I watched Jackson waste all day long. He's playing Xbox as he's home from college. And then his mom asked him to do one little thing. He goes, I don't have time for that. I went, whoa, time out, time out, time out. I said, let me just, let's talk about all of a sudden you don't have time for your mom. Now, you hope she has time to buy you a set of golf clubs for Christmas Mm. that are going to be pretty expensive. But you don't have time to do this one thing like, hey, or you're home from college. You live on your own. You got your own dorm room, but this is not your dorm room. I need those shoes picked up. You're not going to just live like you do yeah on your own so oh wait a minute dad i thought i was home for break and no yeah you are but i told him i said act like you don't live here anymore (laughs) pick up your junk so it's a god is like that and i think you have to deal with people like that it's funny you you brought that up because i kind of thought my mind went to my kids because i can't relate to you scott uh, in your job and i can't imagine how difficult it must be uh dealing with these people you're looking them in the eye and you know probably what they did. It was a terrible thing. And you want to just knock their head off. Yep. But it, it's, I thought about my kids is the closest thing I could think of is when they do something wrong. I, I do my best discipline. If I take a breath, collect myself and keep anger out of it, keep, keep, keep my hostility out of it as a, as a father and look at it as, as the correctional side, only the use the, the wisdom and correct them calmly, collectively, and decisively, and not in anger or retaliation, like you, like you might want to do when you see one of these guys. And and I'm sorry if that's the closest relationship I can get to you, Scott, is disciplining some young children, and you're looking at these hardened criminals. But I, I believe if you could take your anger, as Pastor Joe said, Jesus would have done. Yeah. Take the emotion and the anger and the hostility. Not that Jesus had that, yeah. but take it out as, you, as your human self yeah. and, and do the job. Yeah, Jesus was the same guy, as we know, who loved the world, but he also made a whip. And he made a whip and he drove out the money changers and overturned mm. tables in the temple But what's interesting is he made a whip. So he walks in and he sees what's going on. People were not able to worship God and connect to God because they were charging people and uh, for their sacrifice and for their offerings and a a rate that the average person couldn't worship God with back as it was in in that day. But he goes, guys, if I'm finished, if if I start making a whip and if you're doing what you're doing now, by the time I'm finished with this whip, y'all are going to get whipped. He made a whip. (laughs) So in other words, what he was saying is, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. So in just about five minutes, you might say, oh, look at that guy. He's out of control. He's whipping people. He's overturning tables. What kind of God is this? He would never do that. He's a loving God. Guys, I just want you to know, I'm in complete control. Mm. And he starts braiding this whip. And guess what? They were still doing it when he was finished making the whip. And now judgment kicks in. Now discipline kicks in. I tell people uh, in life, and it's like this in, in every facet, 
we're free to roll on the rails. A train is free to roll as long as it's on the rails. <laughs> Get yeah. off the rails, there's going to be discipline. Mm. Guy breaks the rules, there's going to be discipline. There's going to be punishment. But stay on the rails. And I would say to especially people that deal with people, as intimate a setting as he does in especially police work, uh, and and I would say even to those that might be pastors and those that might be leaders in their churches. We do have a bunch of pastors that yeah. listen to this and podcast. Boy, can it get to where you don't like people anymore? And that's where you always gotta come back to faith. And it's not faith in faith. I don't have faith in a thing. I don't have faith in a, a system. I don't have faith in a theology. I don't have faith in a concept. I have faith in Christ. And I have this relationship to this man, Christ Jesus, who was, of course, God. And he's inside of me, and my faith, that faith makes me connect back to him. Okay, you're here, Lord. You're here. How have you handled me? I want to handle people the same way that you've handled me. And even as a father, I look back and go, where were my dad's best moments? And I try to emulate those best moments. Mm. And then I have some moments that my dad wasn't so successful, like we all have our failures. And I don't want to... I don't want to emulate that. I don't want to drop the ball in 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 certain ways when it comes to our handling of people. But I would say in a big picture, when it comes down to it, boy, you can mess up in a lot of ways. But I have always said the fastest way to get off of our team, the fastest way to be fired at Celebration, we have a staff of about 125 people. The fastest way to be fired is be mean to people. Hmm. I can work with you on other areas. We'll, we'll talk through some, some things. But, boy, you're mean to people. End of story. It's just... And that's got to be, Scott, that's got to be your thing, is how do you balance yeah. doing your job and being mean? Because you don't necessarily have to be mean no. to do no. what you do. No. I, I hope that helps you. Thank you for your service, Scott. We need we need fine gentlemen like you out there. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to come back and do something that I've never done on this podcast, and I've been thinking I should probably do it. I'll be right back. I thought I was gonna I was gonna try to get to a bunch of questions, but you your answers are too good. So we'll have to do this again one day. Hey, God willing, and your schedule uh, if it's flexible enough, you're we'll figure out something. I want to do something. Th- these these listeners are are from all over the world, all different walks of life. Um. Some of them are from different religions, and some of them have no religion. Some of them are atheists. And I know this from questions and from social media interactions. What is this, Tyler? What does this podcast fall under category? Is it music? music. This is a music-categorized podcast. And I want to do something here. And um, no surprise to Pastor Joe, because this is right up his wheelhouse. But when I have him here, um, Jesus said that, if you don't acknowledge me in public, then I have no reason to acknowledge you to the Father in public, right? And so I'm, I, want to, I want to offer you to give these people uh, a prayer, mm-hmm. an invitation to Christ. There's probably a lot of people that think it's very complicated, and it takes a long time, right? but it doesn't. No. You could do it in three minutes. Absolutely. Billy Graham did it in three minutes every night. It's very simple. It becomes extremely complex, but it starts very simple. And I would like to offer up 
a, a moment of prayer with Pastor Joe. And, and before we do it, I want to give anybody an opportunity to hit the exit door mm-hmm. on this podcast. Sure. If they're thinking, this is too much. Yeah. This is, this is a, I signed up for music and I'm going to go ahead. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a heads up so I don't surprise you. But those that are curious and want to hang out with us in this room right now, um, we'll end the podcast with this. So hang out, but I'm also giving you the, the exit door is open. This is going to be a, an invitation to know Christ personally. The, the Prince of Peace in, in a world of suffering. And he is. And, and before we do, I'll say this. Most people, if they knew the true God, if they really knew who God was, and he came, the Bible says Christ explained God. He revealed God. He broke the, the mystery, if you will. He, he, he ended the question, who is God? And Jesus came to express or to manifest. Paul the Apostle, maybe one of the most religious people in all the world at that time, most learned, the dude was the man. And when he had that encounter on that road to Damascus in Acts 9, he goes, who are you? Who are you, God? Like, God, what's your name? And, of course, Paul was the most learned religious man on the planet probably and and he was a rising star i mean he was the number one pick in church world if you will and he goes i am jesus whom you are persecuting i think that's what rocked paul's world more than anything else was when he realized whoa i've been fighting i've been thinking i've been fighting for god and i've been actually fighting against god because he was persecuting the church, killing Christians. and he Killing goes, Christians. Yes, yeah, killing Christians. Yes. And not just that. Worse than that. Before he'd kill them, he said this, I caused them to blaspheme. So in other words, before I killed them, I asked, in fact, I got them to deny Christ. So what he's saying is I didn't just have an effect on their earthly life. I had an effect on their eternal life. Mm. I got them That's to cold. walk away from God. That's cold. So Paul then has this encounter, and he says, who are you? And he goes, I am Jesus. My name is Jesus. And he goes, what would you have me to do, Lord? And he says, go to the city where I tell you to go, and there I will tell you what to do. And we know the rest is history. Now, for those that struggle with God, probably your biggest struggle is probably a representative of God in the form of an experience mm-hmm. with somebody, a Christian, a church. Bad pastor. A pastor. Yeah, yeah believe yeah. me, they're out there. Yeah. And uh, there's been some kind of reason that would cause you to be like that. Paul probably had his reasons why he was doing what he was doing until he said yes to Jesus. And when he did, his world was changed. You're not saying yes in this prayer to Christianity. You're saying yes to God. Christ did not come to set up a thing called Christianity. A lot of people think... A religion. A religion. Yeah. And I'm going to come and offer another meat option on the buffet line at Babe's Chicken in the Dallas Metroplex. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to offer another option. He just said, I am. I am. Mm -hmm. The way, the truth, and the life. So it's interesting. The way offered the way. And it just is simply, if you'd like to ask 
Christ to be the Lord of your life. You ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, which is what he came to offer. The biggest problem we all have is a sin problem. That's the problem. And all it, of us. Yeah. And none are too big. That's right. We've all Even fallen. Scott, even the guys you looked in the eye in the, in the prison, none of those were bad enough. Yeah. yeah. We've all sinned. Yes. None are righteous. No, not one. But all have sinned. But Christ came to pay the ransom. We were all guilty. We all belong in jail. We all deserve judgment. But Christ said, I'll pay for your ransom. I'll pay f- to bail you out. <laughs> of eternal damnation, and I'll give you eternal life. All you have to simply do is, is say yes to me. And I'd like to offer that prayer right now. It's as, it's as simple as right where you are. You can say this with your mouth, because the Bible says one has to confess Jesus with their mouth that he is Lord, and he was raised from the dead, and believe in their heart, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So it's both. It's believing in your heart, but it's also confession with your mouth, because that mouth is the gateway. It's a door. It's out of the heart speaketh the mouth. We know that's to be the truth. So it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me my sins. I ask you right now to come into my heart. I confess that I have sinned. I confess that I need a Savior, and I believe in my heart that you are the Savior. You came to this world, and you walked among this world for 33 years until you walked up that hill to a place called Golgotha, and you died on a cross. But then three days later, you were raised from the dead, and you proved that you were the Lamb of God that takes away my sin and the sin of the world. Take my life, and my life now belongs to you. And say this out loud. I believe that I am your child through Jesus Christ, and I will live forever because of Jesus and his blood that was shed. Thank you, God. Beginning right now, I have eternal life. And that's it. So powerful. If you said that prayer with Pastor Joe, uh, comment below, because I would, I would personally like to see if you're watching this on YouTube. I know you can't comment on Spotify, but um, comment below whatever platform you're using. I would love to see uh, where you were. Hopefully, if you're driving a big truck right now on the open road, pull over before you comment. But, but I, I would love to hear if you, if you said that prayer. Um, Maybe you unsubscribe from this channel. I don't know. I don't know. But I, but I would love to get some feedback um, because it means a whole lot to me. It means a lot to me to know that this message um, was repeated, as Pastor Joe said. And, buddy, this was an honor. Well, we have watched your life. My sons are the biggest fans, always have been, years ahead of you and I and our families meeting and even being connected together now. Uh, through the church and through other circumstances, my boys have always been fans of what everything this company, your your life, your platform is about. And I, I'm the biggest fan. I can't wait to watch all that's going to happen for uh, for Yee Yee and all things concerning uh, the Smith family. Thanks for letting me be a part, buddy. My pleasure.
We'll see you soon, maybe. Absolutely. I'm I, I, here. For, I almost forgot. Uh, tell everybody where they could watch you give your sermons every Sunday morning. You don't have to be in Central Texas, right. and, and I'm glad I just remembered this. You could, t- you could tell them where to watch it, wherever you sure. are in the world. Yeah, it's Celebration Church in Austin, Texas. So it's celebration.church, uh, and uh, our website, I think it's also celebrationchurch.com. But it's in Austin, Texas, or if you just type in Celebration Church, Texas. There's a Celebration Church in Jacksonville, and there's several other Celebration Churches out there. Yeah. Some are connected to us, uh, not necessarily under us or us under them, but there's just that name out there. So if you just type in Celebration Church TX or Texas.com, and I probably just gave you about five websites right there. But anyway, <laughs> I don't even know our website name. It's Celebration your, your tech Church. Team is freaking out right you'll now. You'll find it, <laughs> Pastor John. I'm not a big technology can, guy. I just trust that you'll find it. We'll link it in the top of the description to watch his sermons yeah. every Sunday. It's absolutely free of charge and yeah. super easy. And you might even see me and Amber out there in the front row. Love you, Pastor Joe. Thank you. I love you. See you guys. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. <laughs>